Pastor Xavier Reese with today's simple truth about what's important and what's not. The world says time is what? Money. Sacrifice anything to obtain material wealth. The Bible says time is opportunity. Time for the Lord, time for the family, time for work, time for recreation. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the day is evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Whether rich or poor, no matter what your position in life, the great equalizer for all is the issue of time. Everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. But the question is, what will you do with your time? Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his series, The Nature of the Church, he explores the simple truths of what it means to submit our time and attention under the Lordship of Christ. Commitment is to the call of Jesus to follow Him. Real basic. The Lordship begins in salvation and must continue on. To lose sight of myself, take up my cross, and follow Him, Mark 8.34 says. The problem is when we don't know Christ, we are the focus of our life. And so we can't get beyond ourselves. Come and follow me, he told Levi, the tax collector. Mark 2.14. Follow me. The Lordship of Christ is evident by the community of the believer. The community of the believer is best expressed by the word fellowship. The word koinonia. It's a very rich word. It means common as oneness, partnership, sharing in common. If you remember the book of Acts in Acts 2.42, it tells us they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, koinonia, and a breaking of bread and prayers. So fellowship goes beyond commitment to one's own personal benefit. You understand? You see, you're part of the whole, and you're there for others, not just yourself. Philippians 2.1, the fellowship is based on the fellowship of the Spirit. This transcends beyond our own type of personality, and beyond cultural barriers, okay? It's the new birth. We recognize we're new creatures, brothers and sisters in Christ. So this goes beyond mere spending time in entertainment with each other. Churches have moved from fellowship to entertainment. And so they use entertainment to attract people, to have many people. But it has nothing to do with fellowship according to the scriptures. The fellowship is based on the holiness of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 7. We're to present our vessel as a sanctified vessel unto God and be careful how we conduct ourselves with the opposite sex and be holy. The fellowship is based on the love of God, as we said before. And you'll run into the love of God in many of these points because they all, they, they all overlap. Again, John 13, 35. The interest is for others. The interest for others will bring the greatest return in your own life. If you spend your life on yourself, you'll waste your life. If you spend your life for others, you'll have a great investment. Always remember that. The problem with fellowship is that some people are merely looking for their needs to be met or desire to resolve their loneliness in the fellowship of the church without any regards for the others or the glory of God. It's all about them. And there are people that go from church to church just to have their needs met. 
And when they don't get them, they'll go somewhere else. And that's selfish. That's not koinonia, as the Bible. Listen to Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, his underground seminary. He says, many people seek fellowship because they are afraid to be alone, because they cannot stand loneliness. They are driven to seek the company of other people. There are Christians, too, who cannot endure being alone, who have had so many bad experiences with themselves, who hope they will gain some help in association with others. They are generally disappointed. Then they blame the fellowship for what is really their own fault. The Christian community is not a spiritual sanatorium. The person who comes into the fellowship because he is running away from himself or misusing it for the sake of diversion, no matter how spiritual this diversion may appear, he is really not seeking community at all, but only distractions which will allow him to forget his loneliness for a brief time, the very alienation that creates the deadly isolation of man. Excellent. And its source in selfishness, self-centeredness. Fellowship at times in the church is anything but spiritual community. That's why you have to judge everything by what the scriptures declare. Here we're looking to the nature of the church regarding the lordship of Christ. If fellowship is based on the popularity of the pastor, the size of the church and people get lost in the multitudes, that's not really koinonia. That's not fellowship. If it's based on the activities offered, baseball, bingo, and whatever, there are some churches, they gather just to play bingo. They never study the Word of God. They're cultural churches. Amazing. Paul put it this way in Romans 13, 11 through 14. And do this, knowing the time is that now is, it's high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the days at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the work of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife or envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and listen to what he says. He's talking to Christians. And make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. I have sin nature still. So do you. If I don't walk in the spirit, I will walk in the flesh. If I don't make provision for the spirit, I'll make provision for the flesh. And I can't blame God. Fellowship with others and activities are not wrong in and of themselves, provided they are an outgrowth of one's fellowship with the Lord Jesus, evident by true spiritual community. You understand? People could play basketball together. People could go camping together. But it develops from the relationship with Christ Jesus and each other and the Lord. You understand? Not just activities. It's like putting the car before the horse. Therefore, a person is to attend a church because they believe Jesus has led them there and desires for them to be part of that church so God directs and guides you. And your commitment is to a family. You're there for the family. You don't just get joined to a family to see what the family can do for you. That's the world model. That's flesh. And whatever a person, whenever they get involved, it is an outgrowth of their relationship with Jesus and they are and they honor the Lord and glorify the Lord. So that fellowship begins an extension of their relationship with Christ and they benefit the body. Therefore, their primary interest is not to benefit themselves, but how they are to benefit others, particularly 
in their involvement. It's simple. Colossians 1, 9 through 12 says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to the glorious power for all patience, long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Wow. Whenever you run out of the will of God, go to Colossians 1, 9 through 12. When you get done with that, if you run out of the will of God, come back. I'll give you some more. <laughs> Fellowship with other saints is one of the greatest privileges of community for spiritual growth. Too many people are very superficial, even as Christians, again, interested only in themselves. And too many do not invest time in people, but are always moving around, church to church, not cultivating deep relationship. They're very superficial. It's a cultural thing. People get married, they get divorced, remarried, divorced. They get a job, they quit. They get another job. They do the same with marriage. They buy a house, they sell it. They're superficial. There's no stability. Their attention is very, very short. Commitment's only to self. I think of my own life, the many relationships I have uh, been blessed with through the years, through the good times, the bad times, that um, people who have walked with me and I have with them build relationships. You will be the better for it, and so will others. Listen how rich Paul was as he names over 20 some names in Romans 16, 3 through 16. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of Galatia. Likewise, greet the churches that is in this house. Greet my beloved Epiphanitas, who is the first fruit of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Junia my countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of the note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Paul knew many people. He went through life with many people. Difficult times, good times. Rich. Deep relationships, not superficial. Not a flake. Commitment to the Lordship of Christ is to be evident by the community of the believer. Thirdly, the lordship of Christ is evident by the stewardship of the believer. Stewardship. A steward is one, and the stewardship of a person has to do with what I do and how I handle what God has allowed to be in my power and my possession. A steward owns nothing, but is responsible for everything in the scriptures, in the parables. A steward had a master over him to which he was accountable as his servant. And a steward was to be faithful in all he did. Jesus illustrated this throughout the many parables through the gospel. And he used it to teach us as the believer. Now time is a priority of a steward. The world says time is what? Money. That's the world's perspective. Time is money. They live out what they believe. They sacrifice anything to obtain material wealth and things. Wife, husband, children, family, whatever. Lay it all down for wealth. They will accumulate it to impress others and be self-sufficient. The Bible says time is opportunity. Time for the Lord, time for the family, 
time to be involved and be the church, time for work, time for recreation. Legitimate things with priorities. Talents have not been given just for my own benefit before sharing them with others. Talents can be enhanced at times by the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Apart from God, talents are used to exalt ourselves. And if we're really talented, we look down on people. Apart from God, we will glory in those talents. The seven men who um, served tables in Acts 6-7 were filled with the Holy Spirit. The word of God spread and number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. They yielded themselves to God. Talents can cause us to be self-sufficient or more dependent on God in gratitude, realizing that those talents have been given to us by God. Paul put it this way. He's an example of the letter he was, he tells us in Acts 18, 3 and 20, 34, that he was a tent maker to support himself in the ministry and often to meet the needs of others. So he had a talent, he had an ability and he used that for himself. In, in, in his writings, we see that he used it to help others, to benefit others, so that the gospel would not be charged. And he used them for the glory of God. Now, the money I make also belongs to God. He is the one who gave me the ability to think and to work. He is the one who allows me to maintain employment or perhaps even to lose my employment. Sometimes we lose our job because we aren't good workers. We have bad work ethic. But at other times, God allows us to lose our job because he wants to give us a better one. God does do that sometimes. I've seen that. He's the one who gives me good health. None of us can boast about our health. You may exercise, you may eat right, you may say I have good genes or whatever it is, but you know, just one little thing if God says, Doom, one little thing goes wrong with your body. And you are done. It is God's grace. He desires that I glorify him how I spend my money. To impart as he has blessed me on the first day of the week in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. To be benevolent to those who have less than I do, not being irresponsible to my family, though. My family comes first, and in the extra, I can help others. Uh, we see this in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 44 and 45. But it's of your own accord. People don't demand it of you, like socialism does and, you know, entitlement does. No, 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 no. The Christian gives of their heart because they want to. I give it to you because the love of Christ constrains me, understand? That's how it's given. As a steward, how I spend my money will tell me much about my lordship of Christ in my life. We're not to live for money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. First Timothy 6.10. Um, pride, money, and women. Three strikes, you're out. One person put it this way. Quote, Leftovers are such humble things. We would not serve them to a guest, and yet we serve them to the Lord, who deserves the very best. We give to him leftover time, stray minutes here and there, leftover cash, to give to him such few coins as we can spare. We give our youth unto the world to hatred, lust, and strife, and then in declining years, we give to him the remnant of our life. Wow. What an insult. 
The deception is to think that I am the sole authority over what I possess and that it's simply for me. Jesus put it this way, Luke 12, 18 through 21. He told a parable about a certain rich man. He says, um, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and I will build greater ones. And then I will store all my crops and my goods. Then I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid out for you for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, does not your soul is required of you. Then whose will those things be to which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Nothing wrong with laying treasures. But if you're not rich towards God and you're just laying treasures, that's the problem. You understand? The most precious commodity we have is time. Once it's gone, it's lost forever. You will never get it back. God. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the day is evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. And so commitment to the Lordship of Christ is to be evident by the stewardship of the believer. The last one is the Lordship of Christ is evident by the accountability of the believer. Accountability. This is not too popular in today's individualistic society and way of life. The accountability is to God, to walk in the light, 1 John 1, 5. To confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, 2, 1. To put on the Lord Jesus Christ, not make provision for the flesh, as we said earlier in Romans 13, 14. To bring my thoughts into captivity, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. They come against the knowledge of God. To ask him to search my heart constantly, Psalm 139, 23. Because my heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. The reason being, I cannot know my heart. Only he knows it. The judgment of my own searching is necessary, but I do not rest in it if I find nothing. God knows my heart, and I ask him to reveal my heart. Also, the accountability is to my family, to my wife, my help me, and the wife to the husband. What you do, where you go, who you're going to be with. You tell each other because you love each other, and so you know each other. It's information. It has nothing to do with not trusting one another. It has everything to do with loving one another. You understand? In the world, it's a whole different mindset. But also to my children, they are the children that I am molding and shaping to be accountable to God and their future mates and family. I'm teaching them how to be a husband, how to be a father, how to be best friend to their mother. So I'm teaching them accountability. Proverbs 18, one says, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wisdom. Regarding my example of godliness, regarding my example of submission to them and those around me, regarding the example of making myself accountable as a husband or my wife as a mother, even to them, to let them know where we're going to be in case they need to get a hold of us. Simple. The accountability is to the elders also. The accountability is not to be confused with the shepherding doctrine. That means that you submit yourself to elders. They decide for you who you marry, what you buy. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. The accountability in the Bible is not one of lording over God's people, but one of oversight of the church, as 1 Peter 5, 2 and 3 says. The accountability to the elders is in obedience to them only in what the Bible states, not beyond the Bible. Hebrews 13, 17. What they do, they do for our good. 
we submit to the word of God, not beyond the word of God. As a member of the church, I make myself of my own free will accountable to the part, as part of the church body to live in accord with the rules of the scriptures, submissive to seeing myself as part of the church body. As a servant serving in the church, I make myself accountable to the Bible as it prescribes the standards by the scriptures, an example of godliness to exercise the will of God within community. Now the accountability is to also my conscience. Some have a weak conscience, as you know, 1 Corinthians 8, 7, so I must walk in wisdom. Right there in the context, he's talking about those who think they can eat only meats and some can eat only vegetables, but the kingdom of God has nothing to do with meats or vegetables. You have a conviction about yourself, then have it to yourself, Paul says. But don't go flaunt it to make somebody stumble, right? That's what he's talking about. It's neither sin, one or the other. I'm to examine myself whether I'm in the faith and to prove to myself that I'm in the faith, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. What do I examine myself to? The scriptures. One's conscience needs to be, can be defiled, calloused, seared, the Bible tells us, like a hot iron. And so our conscience has to be recalibrated to the word of God. Our conscience worked when we were little kids, but we marred it. We seared it. When I become a Christian, I have to recalibrate my conscience to the word of God. This is the standard. Accountability is a matter of perspective, is it not? But it must be the perspective of the scriptures. You and I can see that some will attempt to use that to control others. And God never tells you to submit to people beyond the scriptures to rule over you. In old times, when the Grecians worshipped images of their gods, it was said that when spiders stretched their webs across the eyelids of the image of Jupiter, the people were regular in the attendance to the worship of Jupiter. They liked to feel that the spider webs were preventing Jupiter from seeing their sins and in their poor, feeble way were no doubt grateful to the insects for covering the eyes of their God who they thought would not punish them in their sin because he couldn't see their way. Well, we're not pagans. God sees everything. We can receive and play with each other, but not with God. I will have to give an account to God for all he entrusts me with, spiritually and materially one day. Listen to Psalm 1013. Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account. Ooh, but he will. Luke 646. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Luke 12, 48, God will hold us accountable to the measure of the light we have received. To those that much is given, to them much more will be required. Let me close with Proverbs 15, 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. The Lord Jesus Christ, I'm the servant. So commitment to the Lordship of Christ is to be evident by the accountability of the believer. If Jesus is Lord, these four areas are but a small sample of Lordship of Christ. But I hope they've given you perspective what we mean about Lordship. The commitment of the believer, the community of the believer, the stewardship of the believer, and the accountability of the believer. Evidence of Lordship. 
And so may God give us wisdom as we live out the nature of the church. And with some simple, straightforward steps that help to characterize the Lordship of Christ in our lives, Pastor Xavier closes today's broadcast. Now, you can request a copy of today's challenging study called The Lordship of Christ, and as always, it's available on CD for just $4. The title to ask for, once again, is The Lordship of Christ, or simply mention today's date with your request. Ask for yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Contrary to what you might think, as a Christian, you're liable to face more struggles from within the church than out in the world. Learn more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com